Good morning, ladies. This morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 8. And I think we'll just start with a brief prayer. Lord, we come here this morning seeking more about your kingdom, wanting to grow more in love and in knowledge of you and of your glorious kingdom. So be with us as we delve into your word. Help us to be able to draw out real truths that will encourage our hearts, better understand you and know you, love you, stand in awe of you. But more important, Lord, that we would see the needy around us and that we would have compassion on them just as you have compassion on them. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Matthew chapter 8. We'll start by reading it. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who follow him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, the sen- and to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, 
And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Already in the book of Matthew, it has been established that Jesus is king. We are called to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He calls men to follow him, to enter his kingdom, and with authority teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, what kingdom living looks like. We will now start to look at how Jesus heals with authority in chapters 8 and 9 and how this reveals the heart of the king. This king is with the crowds. He is with his people. He is among them, walking with them, talking with them, teaching them. With authority, he is showing the people who he is so they can trust him. Matthew wants his readers to know more about the kingdom by looking at the king. Ultimately, we will see the hearts of the people will be revealed in their response to Jesus. At the beginning of chapter 8, we see great crowds who were following Jesus and a leper comes to him. We read in Leviticus 13, 45 to 46, a description of a man with leprosy. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place be outside the camp. So we see in Leviticus, these people are outcasts, probably living in the dump area outside the camp because that's where they can scrounge for food. And they wear rags. The disease will ravage the ends of their fingers, toes, ears, nose, and they'll lose parts. So to look at them is scary. Imagine the scene then when a leper calling out unclean, unclean, makes his way through what Matthew calls a great crowd. And he wants to approach Jesus. 
as the crowds part. Can you imagine this great crowd parting? They don't want anything to do with this leper. They want to stay away from him because they don't want to become unclean. This leper approaches Jesus and says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. That is a profound statement. The first thing Jesus does is he touches the leper. It was an act of compassion. It was an immediate act of love towards a man that has been denied love, compassion, and human touch for as long as he's had that disease. A touch that communicated that Jesus sees the ugliness of leprosy right to the heart. What was in the heart of the leper was known to Jesus. Look how the leper responds to Jesus. The leper, with great courage and conviction, sought out Jesus, despite the revulsion of the crowd. He kneels before Jesus and addresses Jesus as Lord. The leper's actions show faith. The leper's words, leper's words show faith. He says, Lord, if you will make me clean. He has no doubt who Jesus is, and he has no doubt Jesus' ability to make him clean. And Jesus responds, I will be clean. The heart of Jesus is full of mercy. In cleansing the leper, Jesus restores this man into fellowship in society. He can live with his family. He can enter the town. He can be embraced. He can share meals. He can worship in the temple. He has been restored to a normal life. Jesus tells the leper, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof to them. In this statement, Jesus upheld the law that he said he himself came to fulfill and also that he was not seeking a following, but followers. Jesus longs for us to be restored to God. He loves us so much that he gave his life for us. When we confess our sins, repent and believe, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Jesus now goes to Capernaum and is approached by a Roman centurion. He has a simple statement for Jesus in verse 6. Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Jesus responds immediately, I will come and heal him. Jesus didn't have to wait for the centurion to ask. He saw his faith and was moved with compassion. What follows in verses 8 and 9 is the affirmation that the centurion fully recognized the greater authority of Jesus. As a Roman centurion, he himself had authority over a hundred men, servants, the Jewish community. When he spoke orders, they were obeyed. His request showed that he believed Jesus had the authority to heal his servant by simply speaking the command as he would command his own soldiers. His faith caused Jesus to marvel. Truly, I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith. So 
in the midst of this great crowd that's following Jesus, this great crowd of Israelites, Jesus marvels over the faith of this Roman centurion, a Gentile. After elevating this man's faith, Jesus says something quite profound about his kingdom. Let's look at verse 11 and 12. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is revealing that both Jew and Gentiles will enter the kingdom, and the kingdom will not be entered by lineage, but only by faith. Those who reject him will be thrown into a place of torment. This rebuke points to a statement of Jesus recorded near the end of Matthew's gospel. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. To the centurion, Jesus says, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And that servant was healed. We read in verses 14 and 15 of Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. Again, Jesus shows his heart of love and compassion. He touches her. Jewish men would not do this. Women were not held in high esteem. They were normally segregated from men in society and in the temple. Yet by this act, Jesus affirms her value and dignity. He heals her. His heart reveals that his kingdom is for both men and women, the lowly and the powerless, those who see themselves as unworthy like the centurion, those who call him Lord like the leper, those who see themselves as mere servants like Peter's mother-in-law, people like you and I. That same evening, Jesus heals many who were oppressed by demons Webster's Dictionary defines oppression as to crush or burden by abuse of power or authority. Satan seeks to burden and crush you by any means possible with a demonic host at his disposal. These burdened souls were set free. Jesus has authority over all principality and power. There are also many who were sick and he healed them. Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah from chapter 53, verse 4. He took all our illnesses and bore our diseases. This prophet Isaiah, like Matthew, points us to the king. A king who would become, would come as a servant, not simply to bring back the preserved of Israel, but to be a light to the nations. A servant who will act wisely, who had no form or majesty that we should desire him, the Prince of Peace who took the punishment that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This chapter in Isaiah reveals the coming death of Jesus on the cross, as we will see at the close of Matthew's Gospel. In verse 18, we see Jesus giving orders to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But before he can leave, a scribe comes to Jesus. And he says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now the scribes were among the wealthy and the prestigious of Israel. So Jesus challenges him. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. 
This rebuke pointed to the cost of following Jesus, everything. The cost of following Jesus is everything. Another disciple said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus rebukes him. Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Jesus is saying that his kingdom is about the living. That same invitation was given to the first disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who immediately left their jobs and families to follow Jesus to become fishers of men. John Piper says, If we almost follow Jesus, tagging along with Christians as long as it's socially acceptable, we will come to the end of the benefits of Christianity. If we truly follow him, desiring him above all else, embracing trials and opposition for his sake, and leaving whatever necessary behind, we won't need to chase comfort, attention, or happiness here. In verse 23, Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples. We are told that it's a great storm that arose and Jesus was sleeping through it. The disciples saw the boat filling with water and woke Jesus. They said, save us, Lord, we are perishing. They were afraid of capsizing and drowning. They were afraid of the chaos around them, the great winds and waves. The disciples cry out, save us, we are perishing. Jesus responds, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Similar to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, faith triumphs anxiety. He says to his disciples, faith trumps fear. My word brings a great calm, even to a great storm. Jesus wanted them to realize that if he could bring calm to the sea, he could bring calm to their fearful heart. The disciples needed to grow in their faith and trust him. By a word, the storm ceased. By the same word, his disciples marveled and were humbled by the obedience even the wind and the waves had for Jesus. Jesus' authority is over all creation. Jesus and the disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee to the country of the Gadarenes. Jesus is met by two demon-possessed men. The demons had overtaken these men and were controlling them to the extent that their ferocity kept any from coming near. But Jesus came near. The demons cry out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? The demon host recognized Jesus and knew he had authority over them now and in the future. Jesus allowed them to enter a herd of swine. The demon-possessed men were set free and became still, while the herd of swine plunged to their death. Scripture says that angels, authorities, and powers are subject to Jesus. Here he demonstrates that authority. The irony of this story is that the one who draws near to save was told to depart. It points to words that we will study in a few weeks. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He calmed the fierce storm. He calmed the fierce demonic horde. He calmed the hearts of his disciples. All here in chapter 8 of Matthew. 
faith believes who Jesus is. In chapter 8, we see the response of those who have faith. They respond with humility, respect, trust, devotion, and service. They follow Jesus despite the cost of enduring hardships, of giving up worldly possessions, and of leaving families. These faithful believers find a place in the kingdom of our Lord. Matthew wants all to see Jesus' authority over sickness, disease, oppression, creation, and the spiritual realm so that people will see and believe. We see at the end of Matthew's gospel the clear call to those who believe and follow Jesus in the Great Commission to go and tell the hurting, the sick, the outcasts, and the lost that Jesus loves them and can heal them, forgive them, and make them clean. So that's the end of my study in Matthew, and it's just a real challenge to look and to assess in my inner heart, and I'm sure you'll do the same, of your faith and your obedience and what you're willing to give up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us have left families and suffered the persecution of that um, to follow Jesus, to follow someone that they have no understanding of who, who he is. Um, but also it's a challenge to look at Matthew and see who Jesus doesn't um, minister to. <laughs> so he ministers to all. His love is for all. His grace is for all. Do we think like that? If I'm walking down the street and I see a homeless person dressed in rags, what's my reaction? What's my response? If I see someone who is burdened, being crushed in a way that's hard and sad to watch, am I compassionate? Am I reaching out? Am I sharing with that person? Jesus heals. Come, I'll tell you all about Jesus. I'll tell you about this kingdom where there is no more oppression, there is no more sickness and disease in the final days when we enter that eternal kingdom. Do I do that? So this is um, a book that shows us the authority of Jesus. It's building on that foundation to go to places near the end where we're given this great commission and we have to reflect on our inner hearts what Jesus is trying to reveal to us about our faith. We have to analyze what our response is to him because he has given us that great commission and we need to follow him, trust him, be obedient to him. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can come to you just as we are with our struggles, with our lack of proper response to you, with our simple requests. I thank you that you took us from that domain of darkness and set us into the kingdom of light, that you saw past our ugliness and saved us when our desperate, destitute hearts cried out to you. And so I pray, Lord, that we would, with that same joy of our salvation, be reaching out and ministering to those around us that have such a desperate need of you. So empower us, Lord, with words um, give us the strength and the courage. I think of the leper having the courage to walk through a crowd, calling out unclean, unclean. Give us that same courage to, to do what you have called us to do, to meet the people that you have 
uh, put into our lives to minister to. And I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful book of Matthew that is revealing more and more about you, your great compassion and your love for us. And I thank you for that. And we pray that in Jesus' name.